Welcome to Camp Radio, a podcast production of TN Baptist Camps, the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. Camp Radio, discussing trends and issues that will encourage ministries and churches in their efforts to impact people for Christ. To learn more about TN Baptist Camps, visit us at tnbaptistcamps.org. Now, today's Camp Radio. I'd like to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. My name is Kevin Pierce, and I will be host, your host today. Today, we'll be discussing how equipping people to do what God's called them to do uh, can impact the lost in their communities. We have with us today Brian Smith. He is the associate pastor at Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Brian, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Kevin. Well, Brian, tell me a little bit about yourself. I've uh, been married to Amy for almost 25 years. August will be 25th anniversary for us. We have five children. Our daughter, Abby, will be 20 in August. Just wow. finished her freshman year at uh, college. And then she's got four younger brothers who are 17, 15, 12, and 7. Wow. So it's never dull yeah. at our house. <laughs> well, you've been at Stewart Heights for how long? Nine years. Nine years. Nine years. Yeah. And I've known you since Carson Newman. Yes. Yes. Almost 30 years. 30 years. That's yeah. hard to believe. Yeah. It's been that long. Yeah. And you've been in the ministry for about 26 years. 26 I started years. my senior year at Carson Newman. I was a youth pastor at a church in Knoxville. Well, uh, <clears throat> tell me a little bit about what you do here at Stuart Heights. At Stuart Heights, I'm part of our um, preaching uh, rotation. We have three campuses. Uh, Stuart Heights is a multi-campus uh, church in the Chattanooga area. We have campuses in Chattanooga, Hickson, and in Saudi Daisy. And our senior pastor and I rotate among the campuses uh, on Sunday morning. Uh, we have live preaching at each campus. We don't do a video venue. Uh, and so I'm one of the primary teaching pastors, but uh, most of my uh, other responsibilities lie in discipleship and assimilation. Uh, I lead our groups ministries. Uh, we have a Wednesday night Bible study ministry we call Stuart Heights University mm-hmm. at two of our campuses, and I'm responsible for planning and administrating those courses, sometimes teaching mm-hmm. in those classes. And then other pastoral ministry responsibilities that all pastors carry. Right. Uh, but those were two, my two primary areas in Sunday morning teaching and then also in our discipleship ministry. So how do you juggle three uh, campuses, especially in discipleship? Very busily. Yeah. Very busily. Uh, our, our executive pastor, Daryl Davenport, um, he and I share some of that responsibility. Daryl leads our Sunday school ministry. So mm-hmm. that Sunday morning uh, engaging in small group Bible study, it lands on his desk, mm-hmm. and then I do the midweek and small group side. So we we divide that responsibility. Uh, that that helps, and so all of those uh, small group Bible studies on Sunday mornings, Daryl is responsible for uh, enlisting leadership and planning, and then I do the midweek. So it takes a lot of leadership. A lot of leadership. Yeah. And a lot of very gifted uh, church members that have been serving in those roles for a long time. Uh, we're very blessed as a church. Yeah. Well, and, and it's it's vital that you have those in place. Yeah, without mm-hmm. a doubt, especially Absolutely. in three campuses. Absolutely. Well, tell me your passion for ministry. My passion in ministry is, uh, is as an equipper, seeing people, two things, learn to handle the Scripture themselves. Uh, to where they're not dependent upon one of us teaching them, but where it's just as important to teach the Scripture, it is equally important for me to teach people how to handle the Scripture and to see them begin to read and learn and understand 
uh, the scripture for themselves. They have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. They have access to the scripture. They have all they need to learn. Mm-hmm. And the Bible tells us we have all we need for, uh, for life and godliness. And so seeing people equipped to study for themselves, uh, but also seeing people equipped to to do two things, to understand how God has wired them through spiritual giftedness and just through their own personal shape and personality type and those kind of things to find their ministry within the church, mm-hmm. to see the thing that as a follower of Jesus, how they not only receive benefit from the church, but also have responsibility to serve in the church, to see people find that fit, that, that they can be passionate about their ministry uh, is something that that is very exciting to me. But then also seeing how God's people are equipped to not only fill our role within the church, but also to carry that role as ambassadors for Christ in our community, to see people take ownership of that and looking for the places where God would put them, not just to, by happenstance, fall into a gospel conversation, but Mm -hmm. to actively be looking for those, seeking those out, and looking for opportunities to engage our Jerusalem, our, the Chattanooga area, uh, with the gospel. Yeah. So do you have when you're trying to find those uh, those leaders, those those teachers, and they're trying to find their place, do you have certain tools that helps you to find those uh, find where they best fit? Or? We do, we do. In part of our <clears throat> part of our assimilation process at Stewart Heights, we have a a thing called growth track. Uh, we have a, a membership class that everyone's required to take. Uh, when they uh, come to join the church. And that's just general Stuart Heights information, sort of Stuart Heights 101, the doctrines we believe, those type things. But then as they move through the process, through the four classes, the first one we ask everyone to take, and then we want to help people find that place. And so we go through the other three courses. The second one of those is about their own personal walk with Christ because somebody may come to that process is a new believer and not know how to begin that walk. And then we may have very seasoned believers that come. And so part of that second course may be a bit redundant for them, but we want everyone to go through the same understanding of here's what we believe people need to have in their own lives as they walk with Jesus through personal discipleship, prayer, church uh, engagement, and then community engagement. And then in the third part of that, we really want to equip people to understand how God's wired them. And so they understand not just, uh, we, we do a spiritual gift inventory so they can understand how God's wired them spiritually, but then we, we use a, a, a fun personality profile so they can see how God's wired them personality-wise yeah. to show them their best fit. Mm. And in that process, we have the ability to identify people not merely by temperament and personality, but also in areas where they might uh, excel in ministry opportunities, whether that be in teaching or serving or administrating, uh, whatever that might be, that gives us that opportunity to help people find that place to fit. And through that process, uh, those potential leaders become very obvious. And, And then we're able to connect them with some of our leaders. And then also in places like in Sunday school classes, where we have teachers who are actively reproducing themselves in other members of their class, where they're inviting them to teach, they're inviting them to lead in certain areas in that small group. So we've got a very practical tool mm-hmm. in that growth track process, mm-hmm. but then just through the natural living of the church, we have people looking for those that next generation of, of leadership. Right. So what do you see things that are successful that are going on in your ministry? Successful is a hard term for me to, to peg down because God's been in a process of redefining success for me. 
historically, I would typically think, well, well what are the, the areas of ministry where we have the most people participating? And, and certainly that might be a, a, an evidence of success. But looking at what we're doing in the area of disciple making, we, we do have a strong traditional Sunday school ministry at Stuart Heights. Yeah. I know that there's debate about terminology, what you, whatever you choose to call it, the hour of study before worship. Uh, we call that Sunday school at right. Stuart Heights. And we've got really wonderfully gifted Bible teachers, Bible expositors who are teaching in our adult classes that are accurately handling the word and presenting it before their classes and also encouraging others and instructing others in how to do that. And so we see direct result from our Sunday school ministry. But at the same time, we also have opportunities through our, what I mentioned earlier with the Stuart Heights University, to be very specific in maybe issue or topic related studies to where we can equip people in dealing with particular things in in their walk with with Christ or in whether that be parenting, marriage, Mm -hmm. those kind of things, where we see direct result from that. An an additional thing that we started a couple years ago, uh, we had a couple in our church who found the replicate material that Robbie Gallaty had created and um, came to me and said, could we potentially start doing D groups? Yeah. And and I, and I told them, find the people that want to be fed and let's start there. Yeah. And so they started with six people in that group about three years ago. Well, we're going to probably have 60 groups this fall. Wow. And so that's something that we have seen, not merely just in numerical growth, but also in the testimonies that we have from people who are engaging because everything about that strategy is daily interaction with the Word mm-hmm. in a small group and accountability mm-hmm. and memorization of the Scripture. And we're seeing not just by engagement or numeric growth or additional groups, but again, the testimonies that we're hearing from people of their own personal growth and discipleship, the change that's making in families. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not just merely measuring sort of tangible, mm-hmm. or not tangible, but um, numeric kind of measurable statistics, but the things that we're seeing more organic growth mm-hmm. in the life of believers. Uh, but also an additional thing that's not really, it's not part of my responsibility, but we are seeing an incredible impact and effectiveness in ministry is through our church's counseling ministry. Mm. Uh, we do, we have a uh, biblical counseling ministry that the church has had for, for several years, but uh, Sonia Harris is our counseling coordinator and she's also our prayer coordinator, and she has done an outstanding job in leading that ministry in equipping people in biblical counseling mm-hmm. to engage people in difficult moments of their lives with the truth of Scripture. Mm-hmm. And and biblical counseling is not, here's a problem, let's put a Scripture verse on it and pray and go your way. It's, let's see how the Scripture speaks to everyday issues that people are dealing with right. and walking with them in this intensive discipleship mm-hmm. mode. And we're seeing, literally seeing life changed through that ministry. What do you think's contributed to expanding to three campuses? Do you feel like there's just a a hunger for discipleship? Or what do you think it is? We stumbled into multi-site ministry. Uh, Our senior pastor has been at Stuart Heights for almost 30 years. Mm. Uh, When he came, there were 30 people in Mm. the church at our original campus. And um, through God's faithfulness, uh, the church there in the original campus began to grow rapidly and uh, grew into a a need for a building program there and expanded that facility. And uh, at one point in the life of the church, there were about 500 people coming to that campus. Mm. And there were five worship services in one building in three worship hours. And so two of those hours had two services simultaneously. And 
and uh, the campus that we're sitting in now was housed a, a Church of Christ oh. that was that were relocating further down the road. And so instead of building on to the original campus for an extraordinary amount of money, God opened the opportunity for Stuart Heights to buy this property for less than what it was going to cost to add to the original property. Right. And so the, 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 the campuses are three miles apart. So it was an easy move for a portion of the people to come here. And so we sort of stumbled into multi-site yeah. and it began to work well. The church be- continued to grow. And then when we were two campuses is when God called me to come here nine years ago. We were, we were running into space issues already again and began to look at where are most of our people coming from and uh, all north of Chattanooga. Hmm. And so uh, there was an empty Walmart in Saudi Daisy that had been empty for 10 years uh, that we were able to purchase and renovate to become our third campus. Wow. And so the church has continued to to grow. And so we literally reach people from Dayton to Dalton almost yeah. Uh, yeah. regionally. Wow. And so we sort of stumbled into multi-site, mm-hmm. but, it's, but it's worked well for Stuart Heights. Uh, it was not part of the original strategy, but it's become a good strategy. Right. What are some challenges that you face for maybe as a church whole, but also within your ministry as well? For me personally, relationally, uh, it, it's a challenge to to shepherd well three campuses. <laughs> we are wonderfully dependent upon extraordinary leadership within the body yeah. to to care for people well. Mm-hmm. And I think anytime you have a multi-campus strategy, shepherding and pastoral ministry is is the biggest challenge because there are always leadership structures that that are more effective or less effective in a multi-campus strategy. But at the end of the day, we're, we're, we're pastoring people. Mm-hmm. or shepherding people. And when you're pressed with three campuses, that's naturally going to be a, an area that you, you just have to work through. Right. And so um, that for me, that's the biggest that's the biggest challenge because we've got wonderfully skilled people and gifted people at Stewart Heights that really do a, a great job in a lot of the administrative and and logistic kind of things that makes it very easy. But for us as a as a pastoral staff, mm-hmm. when we come to our staff meeting and we talk about the new people at church, making sure that we know who they are because. Right. As a regional church, you you draw people because they know of your church. They may not know of you, but they know of your church. So when they come, we we don't want them to come and just fall in in the gap somewhere. We want to get to know them and know their families. And and how do we care well uh, across three campuses is a continual challenge. That is a big challenge. Yeah. So your Sunday morning attendance is about... Around 1,100. So that is a lot of people lot to of keep people. up with mm-hmm. and to know their names yeah. and know their situations. So it takes a lot of mm-hmm. – uh, the pastoral staff can't do it all themselves. No, we can't. Yeah. We, we've proven we cannot. Well, now tell me uh, a little bit about what you feel like that's that's trending. I mean, you've been in the ministry long enough. You, you've uh, and and really, Chattanooga is a, a unique area, unique city, uh, because it, it especially in the last few years, it's just growing and it's just a lot of uh, fun things to do here and mm-hmm. a lot of people moving in uh, to this area. Right. What do you think that do uh, you feel like it's trending? Maybe not necessarily the rest of the country, but trending mm-hmm. here in in this area. Chattanooga is a, an interesting place spiritually. In Hamilton County, in our local Baptist association, there are around a hundred churches. We've added a couple more just recently, so a little bit more than a hundred churches. Two out of the last three years, an outdoors magazine has done a survey, hmm. and Chattanooga was, according to their survey, the most Bible-minded city in America. Really. 
I don't know what they qualify as Bible-minded, but just recently I got some statistics from our Hamilton County Baptist Association office of trends over the last 10 years. And in every measurable statistic, according to just typical annual church profile numbers that are turned in, Mm -hmm. every measurable statistic of the 100-plus Southern Baptist churches in Hamilton County are trending the wrong direction. Hmm. Worship attendance is less. Baptisms are fewer. Small group Bible study numbers are fewer. Right. So while a, a quote-unquote secular magazine identifies Chattanooga as a very Bible-minded right. area, measurable trends would say otherwise. Right. We may be Bible-minded, but we're not Bible-literate. Yeah. Uh, we may be church-familiar, but we're not Christ-centered. So just because there are tons of churches here— mm-hmm. And a lot of people may have heard of the Bible. The trends, if you if you look at numbers, are not trending the right direction as far as impact of churches on our culture. I mean, even the life of the church, churches are trending the wrong direction as far as just general participation. So looking at those those trends, when we talk about church trends, I think how do the things that are going on in the church, how do those things interact with cultural trends? Mm-hmm. Because uh, the world that you and I grew up in, in, in church world, uh, sort of the models of success were larger churches that were very, you know, we, we lived through the, the seeker-sensitive, seeker-driven right. uh, seasons of, of ministry where uh, pastors nowhere near the ocean were wearing Hawaiian shirts yeah. <laughs> and, and, and uh, those trends that, that happen. And Chattanooga in the South, I think, are, are, is an interesting place because we're generally about 10 years behind the culture at large, but then the church is, is a little bit further behind that in yeah. catching up. But if we look at what's going on in our culture and how that affects how we do church, the way that we typically view success is bigger, but our culture is valuing smaller. Right. Smaller gatherings, smaller, less formal, more organic, more authentic and those are kind of catchwords, but but that those are accurate, I believe. Those are the trends that are moving our culture. Mm. We we see it in restaurants, we see it in coffee shops, we see it in in the way that the rest of the world is functioning. And there's some things going on in Chattanooga that are catching that. Yeah. That are look when we look at church planting, when we look at church revitalization, being aware of those cultural trends are shaping how we do church. Not the message of the gospel, mm-hmm. not the core doctrines of the faith, but the skeleton remains the same, but what does the skin look like? I believe there are some trends in what we're doing as church that are catching the direction of the culture mm-hmm. that I'm really encouraged by. Yeah. Just right here in Chattanooga, yeah. uh, talking to people that I know who are involved in church revitalization efforts, talking to people that I know that are considering church planting, looking at some of the ways that we do. What do we do in multi-site? Mm-hmm. Uh, each of our campuses is about 400 people. I don't see them needing to be larger than that. Right. Because if the culture, if lost people are looking for something where they can come and be known, they probably don't want to come to a place of a thousand people. Right. And so we're not letting the culture decide who the church is. It's mm-hmm. not that, but it's being very sensitive to who our culture It's It's contextualization and ministry. Mm-hmm. Looking at the people that we're trying to reach. And if there's a way that we're doing church that isn't biblically mandated, then then how do how are we sensitive to what the culture is looking at in the way that we do church? Right. If the culture is looking for something smaller and more authentic, then it wouldn't be reasonable to think it should be part of our goal to double the size of each campus. Yes. We should think, how can we launch three more campuses and make them smaller? Right. And so those are some trends I think that we're seeing here because you, you mentioned that Chattanooga is kind of a progressive fun. It's very outdoors oriented. It's, it's for a city of its size. It's not a large city. Right. 
but it's got some pretty progressive thought that I think really in the long-term circle of what's going on in church life and church growth that I'm excited. I'm more excited about the next 10 years than I have been about the last 10 Yeah. in, in trends of church. Right. Well, in, in Chattanooga, I've read some stuff too about how it was the most, uh, I can't remember the term, outdoor-oriented. Yeah. There is more outdoor activities. Well, it's the scenic city. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it draws in that in itself. I guess it's, mm-hmm. the city's become a tourist area. Oh, yeah. So you It's have, a destination city now. You have all yeah. these uh, outdoor enthusiasts that, that want to come here mm-hmm. and want to live here. Yes. I like Chattanooga. Yes. Um, so it is a neat area, and there's so many opportunities here. Now, with the discipleship, you you kind of alluded to that within your discipleship that that uh, you emphasize and in, in your teaching. Where, where does that go, and and, and is that leading toward? Uh, how does that reach people in your community? So, how does discipleship lead to reaching people? How is what you're doing? Okay. Um, Within your discipleship program, how is that impacting people in your community as far as the lost? The thing that I've committed the next 12 months to is creating a strategy to equip Stuart Heights members to engage in gospel conversations with with our community. Part of that is gospel fluency. Very often, I've never heard anybody in church. I've been in Southern Baptist Church all of my life. I've been I was a pastor's kid. Grew up in it, uh, served in on several different church staffs. Tried to plant a church. And and all of those things, I've never come across anyone in any of those churches who said, I don't think we ought to reach people for Christ. Mm. I've, I've heard scads of people say, I know that we should. I know I'm supposed to, but I don't know how. And everything that we've done, I'm, I'm 47, I'll be 48 in December. So in the last five decades of church life that I'm experienced with, all of our evangelism training has been in a presentation mm. model. With, regardless of which one it is, and I've been through several of them, whether it was faith or EE or CWT or all all of them, right. uh, begin with a presentation of the gospel. I want to teach you to give a presentation that assumes two things. It assumes that the person I'm talking to believes there is a God mm-hmm. and affirms there is absolute truth. That is a modern worldview mindset. Right. And we're living in a postmodern culture that no longer affirms that there is a God. There might be a God, but how do you know your God is the right God? Right. Or if there is a God, he's certainly not sovereign and ruling over all things. He, he's not, or there is no absolute truth. And so what I'm striving to do in our discipleship ministry is to equip people to be well-versed in the scripture mm. so that they are gospel fluent. Yes. To not memorize a gospel presentation but rather to be gospel fluent. How does the Old Testament speak to the gospel? How does the reality of the the pre-incarnate Jesus influence people who are trying to understand who Jesus is? So the the thing that I'm working on this year is creating a strategy to equip our people to be gospel fluent Mm. and to have gospel conversations and to change the expectation that they engage someone in a one-time conversation and that person chooses to accept or reject Jesus and then it's over mm. because that's largely not who the, the Hamilton County culture is. Now, I, I, I even told people yesterday, if you're actively sharing the gospel mm. regularly with people through a presentation model, then I'd rather you do that than not do it. I right. like it was the quote, I like your way of doing it better than somebody else's way of not doing it. Right. But to only approach our culture in that way, I think is is ultimately not going to be as effective as it could be. Mm-hmm. So the way I see discipleship work is that we want to teach people to be biblically literate and gospel fluent and that in doing so, equipping them here 
will equip them to engage people who have bigger questions than just, do you want to accept Jesus or not? Right. I'm reading a book right now called, called Questioning Evangelism by Randy Newman. Hmm. And in that book, he shares about engaging a student. Uh, he, he was with Campus Crusade for years and engages a student in Washington, D.C. with the question, uh, or with the statement, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And the student responded with, what do you mean by God? Hmm. Or who do you mean by God? And he wasn't equipped to answer that question. Right. So he's written this wonderful book about ways to to engage people with questions to lead to a gospel right. engagement. That's just one example of, of trying to equip our people to be biblically literate and gospel fluent so that they feel equipped to engage a postmodern culture that has questions that they weren't trained to answer through a presentation training style. Yeah. And that's not to be critical of what we've done. And, and I can speak of Southern Baptist life for the last 50 years. I'm not being critical of that. Right. It was wonderfully effective mm-hmm. in a modern culture. Any of those training formats are wonderfully effective in presenting the gospel. But you might need to have pre-gospel conversations with people to get them ready to hear the gospel. Right. And so what we're trying to do in discipleship is equip our people to be fully biblically literate and gospel fluent to and get to allow them to engage people with gospel conversations. Right. That's good. Well, as a pastor, um, I know you're you have lots of challenges. What what is and you don't have to go into a lot of detail if you want to. But what's your biggest challenge or one of the biggest challenges that you face personally as a pastor? It's a two part answer to that because <laughs> the first part informs the second part. My personal challenge is pride. Pride comes in I think two forms. One is an arrogance mm-hmm. that people genuinely think they're better than everybody. I'm not arrogant. I'm insecure, mm. and that that's two sides of the same coin of pride. Yeah, pride is. In, in the area of insecurity is I don't want to admit that I have need because I'm supposed to be the one that has it all yeah. figured out. Well, the last decade of uh, old children getting older, right. getting a little wiser uh, of things that, that not feeling like I have to have it all together has, has shaped my understanding of my biggest need in not being prideful, mm. but letting people see weakness. And that that's a challenge. Right. That, that's still something that I wrestle with daily. But the need for self-care hmm. as a pastor, because the first 20 years of ministry life, I didn't like that term. I thought it sounded selfish. Yeah. Like, well, self-care is hmm. like, well, I'm supposed to be caring for others. Uh, but realizing that uh, if you're not if you're not well, hmm. it's hard to care well. Right. And, um, and so we think about what, you know, my biggest needs as a pastor, they're, they're, we're, we are inundated with so much with training and books and, and resources and all those kind of things, those needs are wonderfully cared for. Right. But I'm the one that's responsible for my own walk with Christ. And I've been doing this long enough to where I know the things to do, mm-hmm. but the empowering that is necessary can only come in the disciplines of your own personal walk. Right. And so stepping away from, from that insecurity of feeling like I'm supposed to have it all together and just understanding there are some days that you just need to rest. Yeah. That's not that's not a sign of weakness. It's by divine design that, that we are utterly dependent upon Christ, and so the the absolute importance and imperative of my own walk with Christ in my own family, and then realizing that you don't have to be a, a ministry martyr mm-hmm. to be effective, and my family certainly doesn't have to be martyrs for me to be effective in ministry. Mm-hmm. But if I want to end well, uh, that self care is not a bad thing. It's not a selfish thing, right. but it's it's a needed thing. And understanding how to balance that, and and emotively being okay with it, that's my personal biggest biggest need, biggest struggle, and I and I don't do it well yeah. yet, 
but but I'm trying to learn. Well, and I know you uh, well enough and, and that I know that your family's important to you. You do love the outdoors. I do. Yeah, you love fish. I do. You like to run. I do. And so those are good things to help us break away from all the stuff that's on our shoulders. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's a refreshment time. It is. And so just being with your family. It's just mm-hmm. the time. It's it's like going on vacation sometimes. Yeah. I mean, you know, you got your kids, but you're just together with with people you love yeah. that don't judge you. And, yeah. it, and it's it's fresh and refreshing. When my seven-year-old says, Dad, will you read me a book? Oh, yeah. Saying, yeah, I will. Yeah. Because whatever I was going to do next can wait because right. you won't be seven, but for now. That's right. Well, now tell me, let's kind of uh, go back to this, this last question I always kind of like to ask because I, I think it's important to see uh, if there's some connection here. Does it make an impact when your church, you take a group somewhere overnight to do discipleship, whatever, uh, as a retreat, does that impact your church in any way? It does. It does. Just recently, our uh, the D groups I mentioned, our, our ladies D group leaders went on an overnight retreat close to the church campus for the express purpose of not being at the church campus. Everything they did, they could have done here, but there's something beneficial about going away and setting time and space aside for, as you mentioned a minute ago, that refreshment, Mm -hmm. that engagement, whether it's relationally with one another in that closed time or whether it's purely for spiritual refreshing of setting aside time to be with the Lord functionally, we can do all those things here, but there's something that is unique about going away that I don't know if it's just the the, the physical separation from the norm changes the expectation, but whether it has been at a camp or a weekend retreat or a mere overnight, there's something that is uniquely different about separating yourself from the normal activity that is beneficial. Well, Brian, I want to thank you for sharing with us about the importance of uh, being biblically faithful to the New Testament church and how that impacts the lost in, in your community. I'd also like to thank our listening audience today for listening to our podcast. We would love to hear from you. Uh, if you have any questions for Brian or what we do at TM Baptist Camps, please send us an email at ccinfo at tmbaptist.org. Until next time, I hope that you will look for opportunities to start a conversation about Christ with someone you know. Thanks for listening to Camp Radio, a podcast production of TN Baptist Camps, the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. This and other episodes can be downloaded from tnbaptistcamps.org. The ministries of Carson Springs and Linden Valley are supported through the cooperative program and gifts received through the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions. For more information, visit tnbaptistcamps.org.